0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. It is a pleasure and honor to worship you. The first time in this new year, we are worshiping together, and I love it. It's good to see you, and that is what we do. I mean, that song doesn't say what we're about, Is this is Jesus-centered, Jesus-worshipping, this is all about Him. And so glad to see you this morning, and I'm excited for what God's going to do in this year, and I hope you'll be part of it. If you're a guest today, if this is your first time, uh, just an invitation to be part of what God's going to do in and through this place in 2024. Now, I'm um, going to get into the teaching that will start out for this year, but I've got a few things. just want to say it point blank to you. Um, three things before I start. First, um, if you're part of One Hope, you know we have these see-feel act books, okay? Um, But some people have not engaged with this before, so I want to tell you what they are. They're out in the lobbies, and you can grab one. We'll do three of them this year, okay? And what this is is a way to help you walk through Scripture. Um, We've done the Gospels. We've done um, various books through Scriptures. We're going to walk through the letters of Paul to begin this year, and they are in here. What it is is just um, you can—it's just a, 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 a portion of scripture every day, but it gives you options if you want to read more. Um, also, just in here gives you examples of just um, other places you can read, other devotionals, other other um, uh, words, you know. And you don't have to use this specifically, but we're trying to get people to filter scripture with the lens that says, how do I see, feel, and act more like Jesus every day? This is what we're becoming, more like Him every day. And so this helps do that as well. On the back of it, in case you didn't know, there's a notes section. So we'll see people bring them in Sunday mornings, and it allows you to have a place where you can take notes. And so these are here, um, out in the lobbies. You can grab it as you leave today. Um, The second thing is as we begin the year, I want to invite you um, if you're not part of a small group, I Community is everything relationships everything I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to get into a small group of people now If you're part of a small group, maybe you need to invite somebody to your group because nothing is more um, Effective of getting people connected as someone saying hey, there's a place for you. There's a space for you We want you in our lives And so this year will you get in a small group? And then the third thing is if you don't have a place to serve we believe relationships happen in serving, and also just inviting you into the bigger story of what God's doing through One Hope. And if you haven't found your place yet, um, just encourage you, come talk to us, just ask us. We have a place for you to be able to use the gifts and passions, or maybe just the your time that you're like, hey, I want to give to what God's doing through this church, so I want to encourage you to do those things. And so small groups... Uh, uh, Steve Philack books and serving so but it's good to be here with you this morning We're starting a new series. I want to tell you about a guy. There's a guy in uh, 2018 Whose life changed forever 19 year old boy and I hadn't heard his name before you probably haven't either but, And I'm, I hope I'm not butchering his name, but it's how I read it was his name was Aldi Alderling aldi alderling and he was a 19 year old boy from indonesia i read about his story recently where what he did for work was he um, for six months of the year he would live on a fish fishing boat trap called a rompong i had not heard this before but it's called a rompong and what his job was to do was at nights he would light the lamps And I guess this is what attracted the fish And once a week his boss, the owner of the rompong, would, would go out and collect all the fish and then go back in and sell it So that was his job for six months a year Well, the problem is On July 14, 2018, there was a storm And in the storm, the rope that was attached to the anchor of the rom it snapped. And all of a sudden, Aldi set out on a journey he never thought was going to happen. Until August 31st, 49 days, he drifted in the ocean. Until one day off the coast of Guam a boat that was headed to Japan Saw him and picked him up And so you read this story and you you begin to hear details of things that happened while he was uh, adrift in the ocean and and things he did to survive and entertain himself and all those things that you would think have to happen It's quite an interesting story, but what was fascinating to me and the reason I tell you this, is I got a picture in my mind. Almost a picture of us, potentially. That if we don't pay attention, if we don't look at how we're living our life, we actually can begin to live life at sea. If you'll go with the analogy, life at sea the way Aldi lived his life. That we can potentially end up living in a, a life of drifting and not know what to do next. And so, this beginning of this year, I decided to start a series of conversations going to last for several weeks, and I've just simply titled them Anchored and tell them anger because of this story like I, I, or I look at this story and I'm like this is what we potentially do is we don't make specific decisions we don't intentionally live we don't look at our lives and attach ourselves to something strong we will drift just like he drifted and let me tell you something about drifting because of our broken nature we believe because We live in a broken world. When life is not lived intentionally, our lives will always drift towards more brokenness and unhealthiness. Do you know that about life, that principle? When life is not lived intentionally, our drifting will always lead us to more brokenness and more unhealthiness. And what happens is is we find ourselves in spaces and places we never thought we would find ourselves. And we begin to look around and we wonder, how did I get to this place? Have you experienced that before? How did I get to this place? Why did I make these decisions? Why did I become this person? What am I doing? How did I get here? If you will look back, It's from incremental drifting in life. And so for the next several weeks, I'm going to do my best to um, be as practical as I can. The next several weeks, I'll try to bring as much wisdom as I can as we talk about those areas in our lives that we need to become more anchored in so we don't drift towards our brokenness, so we don't drift towards unhealthiness, so we don't say the thing in 2024, how did I get here? How did I get here in my relationships? How did I get here In my finances how did i get here with god how did i get here just in life how did i get here i don't want us to say this i want us to look at life and say what are we anchored to so that being said we're going to go to week one i'm going to read a, a quick verse from hebrews now hebrews we don't technically know who the writer is did you know that Like Many people believe the writer of Hebrews is Paul because it sounds like him, it makes sense, but we don't really know. But the writer of Hebrews said this sentence, Hebrews 2 verse 1. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. So we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Let's just assume for a moment that the writer of Hebrews is Paul, okay? We don't know exactly, but it seems like it's Paul. Why does Paul say that sentence? Why would he look at the people in the church? Why would he look at these followers of Jesus and say, be very careful to listen to the truth, or we may drift? Why does that sentence have to be said? I think Paul understands two things One, I think he understands the nature of people Two, he understands the history of his people Paul's a Jewish man And he has heard the stories and knows the history, the past of his people This is what I mean And and, and can I tell it in story form more today? In the last year, I have uh, noticed myself speaking, bringing up a a particular man named Moses quite a bit. I found myself bringing him up quite a bit. And let me tell you why this happens. I really like, I really enjoy, I think it's effective that when I can, I like to speak Old Testament and New Testament. Some people have have told me this, like, Scott, they've kind of noticed this. Scott, I, I see that you do this. Let me tell you why I do this. One, I like for us to see the whole story, the bigger picture if we can Two, I think that it allows us to see the consistency of scripture when we see that it happens in all these places And I think that in order to understand the New Testament and Jesus, we have to look at the Old Testament and Moses, because there are direct correlations in this story of God and how he worked with his people. And so I've spoken with Moses, and if you miss those messages, you can always go back from, from earlier in the fall, but God used this man, Moses, to bring his commands and his law to his people after what's called the Exodus. Okay, so there's a book of the Bible, Exodus, it's the second book in the Old Testament, and it's about the Exodus out of slavery in Egypt into the promised land that God had um, promised to give them. So this is the story. And so what we see when we go back to that, Paul would have known this story, is that when God brought them out of slavery, out of Egypt He gives them the law and the commands He does this though, if you remember me saying He does this because he wants a deeper, more effective relationship with his people He gives the law and commands because he wants to teach people How to live and worship in a relationship with him It's almost like he needs to create structure with this So people know how to live this out Wow well. This happens in Exodus. But Moses isn't done writing. He also writes a book called Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, he reminds the people of what happened in the Exodus. And so, let me read for a second where he reminds. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1 through 4. He says, Moses summoned all of Israel and said... Hear, Israel, the decrees and laws I declare in your hearing today. Learn them and be sure to follow them. The Lord our God made a covenant with us at Horeb, which uh, Mount Sinai, you've probably heard that before. It was not with our ancestors that the Lord made the covenant, but with us, with all of us who are alive here today. The Lord spoke to you face to face Out of the fire on the mountain So I I know if you're new today You don't remember But if you know that story But we talked about it As God met them after the exodus But it was in smoke and fire And it was intimidating And people were like This is so much This is this It almost brought fear to them It says but God spoke to these people and Moses is reminding them that God did this and then what he does He begins to tell them or remind them What those things God told them that day and we call those things the 10 commandments Okay, so he's like remember this happened Learn them follow them and then he tells them what it is and then he ends in verse 5 verse 32. He says so be careful You're going to start seeing a theme here. So be careful. Do what the Lord your God has commanded you. Do not turn aside to the right or the left. Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. Okay. This begins to become a theme for Moses. Could could I say this? This becomes almost a soapbox for Moses. Those aren't the only places these words are said. I'll I'll give you another, just a couple examples. I could give you more. You continue in the book of Deuteronomy, verse chapter 27. It says, Moses and the elders of Israel commanded the people, you've maybe heard this before, keep all the commands I give you today. But he's not done. Then he goes, chapter 28. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all his commands that I give you today the Lord God will set you uh, you high above all the nations on the earth. I could go on and on these words being said. You get what the point is, right? He's saying to the people, you are the people of God. You need to hear what God is saying and then do what it says. And how you follow these commands will determine a lot about how your life plays out. If you do not go right or left, you stay with what God says, he'll put you on high. It says you'll prosper and your days will be prolonged. How you follow this Will determine your days now You would think That if moses is saying this over and over and over And he does it over and over and over again That the people would get it and they go. Yeah, we'll do what he says But if you've ever been a parent If you've ever been a teacher Maybe a doctor, a nurse You know, you've been, where you give instruction You're like, I told them what to do Of course they're going to follow what I say And it's going to turn out well Like, we know better, right? We know better And this is the story Of God's people People It's made very clear this is my word to you This is what I have for you Just follow it and life is going to play out a certain way If you don't it plays out a different way But what happens especially In the story of the Old Testament and Israelites It seems like they always go their own direction And what happens we see they get into one mess after another it always leads to disaster, and particularly one part of their life leads to what's called the exile, the exile. And what this is, is is they get into the land that God has promised them, but but... They begin to go away from what he's commanded them. He goes away from his truth. He goes away from what he's told them. And because of that, they're pushed out. Because of that, they can't flourish. Because of that, they are scattered. That's the exile. God gives them their land. It's called land of Canaan. And, and you think life is good and they're going to follow God. And the, but they don't. And so they get pushed out and they're scattered all over. This happens through battles. It happens through wars. It happens through a lot of things. This is where the people find their life. They find themselves in spaces and places that they never expected. When they got into the land that God had for them, it was like, we've arrived. When they get what God has promised them, like, we are there. But God told them, Listen Obey Live out what i'm telling you and they didn't so they get exiled So it's about a thousand years later A thousand years after moses's life That god raises up another man This man is a man named nehemiah now you've probably heard of nehemiah And nehemiah gets to the place where um He sees a city that is ruined And it's a famous city, famous city of Jerusalem He gets to this city, which is so prominent to the people And he gets to the city, you see the walls are torn down Which is always an issue Because for protection and whatnot It's not really a city if it didn't have the boundaries And so he gets there and he sees that people have been exiled But the people who are still there They're kind of a mess They don't have direction, they don't know what to do And so he does what he's known for is he begins to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Now, if you don't know that story, then go read that story because it's fascinating things that God did through his life. But what I find amazing about this story, even beyond him building the walls and what happened that after the people come back, after even a wicked king allows people to come back to Jerusalem. It tells us what Nehemiah does first after the walls are built. Nehemiah chapter eight. Let me read this to you. All the people came together. You get the story, right? Just make sure. You get it. Moses has told them what to do. They get into the promised land, but they mess it up, so they're pushed out. You get this. called the exile. People begin to come back. The walls are built. Okay? And this is, all the people came together. As 1 in the square before the water gate they told ezra the teacher of the law to bring out the book of the law of moses which lord had commanded for israel they're remembering they know what they should do so on the first day of the seventh month Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly which was made up of men and women all who were able to Understand he read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the water gate In the presence of the men and women and others who could understand and all the people Listened attentively to the book of the law. Why should this be fascinating to us? The first thing he does after the walls are built, the first thing he does after he gathers the people back together, the first thing they do is they're trying to create this new life. From daybreak until noon, he reads what's equivalent to us as the Bible. Get this. These people are a mess. They have no direction. They don't know what they're going to do. They found themselves in places they never thought they were supposed to be. Now they're back in this land that God had given them back in, in what God had promised them. They got, they're there together. And the first thing he does is let's bring out the book of the law that God said way back. You need to listen and obey and, and, and understand that what I've told you about life and how to live. And they go from daybreak to noon and they read it why is this fascinating to me at least, is because they understand if they're going to get it right. If they're going to get it right this time, If they're going to do it right and get things back in the order that it needs to be, if they're going to get life together again and they're going to live out what they know God has for them, they need to do something different. Their life has to be centered on something different. And here's what I think God is showing them. If life is going to be done right, it has to be anchored to God's truth it's so simple yet so grounding these people have been told how to live but they don't live it out These people had access to all the the truths of how life should be lived. They had everything they needed, but they choose over and over again to not, and they lose what God had given them. But now they're back, and they're like, if we're going to do it right, we have to anchor ourselves, we have to tie ourselves. To something different. We have to anchor ourselves to God's truth. Listen, Moses tried to get the people to understand this truth. When they messed it up, God didn't give up on them, God used Nehemiah to bring them back to this truth. God, over and over, was bringing people back to this reality. God was fighting for the people to understand this reality and this isn't just an old testament concept God kept fighting for the people even in the new testament but this time he does it through the person Jesus and you know this story true you know the story too Uh, Jesus says the exact same things that Moses was saying and Nehemiah was saying. He just said it in his own way in a story that you're really familiar with. One day, he's on the side of a mountain and a couple thousand people have come to listen to him. They want to hear what he has to say. And he begins to tell them how to live life. We see it in places like Matthew 5 through 7. We call it the Sermon on the Mount. How does he end that teaching? Do you remember the analogy? Think about it. How did he end it? And think about it in comparison to what Moses said and Nehemiah said. He looks at the people and he says, you're going to decide how you're going to live life, and there's two different ways. If you're going to be a wise person... You're going to listen and do what I just told you and how it's going to be like a man who builds his house on the rock And the storms come but it doesn't destroy him or You're not going to live As i'm telling you to live and you're going to be like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand And everything's going to fall apart when life comes at you. You know this right? This is famous, right? Think, think about this moment Jesus is saying what Moses said Jesus is doing the same thing Nehemiah did Jesus is looking at them and saying If you're going to handle what life is going to bring at you If you're going to experience the life that God has for you If you're going to want to flourish and prosper And you want to live in all what God has created for you You have to hear what I'm saying And decide what are you going to stake your life on it's consistent from beginning to end in scripture so let's go back to where I began Paul let's just go with Paul Paul is writing to the church writing to Christians and he says so we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it why did he have to say that I asked you that question he understands people not people in the Bible people he understands us he understands the history of people. And he understands that we struggle with drifting in life. We struggle with finding our spouse, finding our place and our life in places we never expected. We, we find ourselves in moments where things feel like they're falling apart or or we just don't feel secure in, or safe in life we just don't have that footing in life And it's like well because we don't have the anchor that we need to have if we don't want to drift we have to anchor to something strong this is the time of year where you know the conversation is about new beginnings This time of year this conversation is about what we call resolutions, right? And we've walked through these in our life before you've done this and sometimes you've kept them but most of the time probably not This is what we talk about this time of year But can I just be very straightforward with us today? Any resolution Any decisions that we make at the beginning of the year that Are not anchored to something more than just something we want to do Are not anchored to something that God has really spoken to us about Aren't the resolutions we should be making, if I can just be honest That sometimes we can have good things, not wrong things We can have good things that we want to do But if they are not connected to the truth of God saying this is how I want you to live that we see throughout scripture They should be secondary to anything that we want to accomplish If we start out our year just anchored to some thought that we have some goal that we have Something we want to do, but it's not anchored in what God wants for us That he speaks to us through his truth Then it should be secondary And quite frankly it won't have the foundation It won't have the strength To carry out throughout A year I've experienced this you probably have Experienced this And so I said what I think Needs to happen this year Is we need to go to another Level Of anchoring ourselves to the truth that God wants us to live in So that we can flourish the way he's created us to flourish But what does that anchoring look like? What is the picture of that anchoring? What does it look like? Well, i've kind of boiled it down to and if you're a note person you may just want to write is three words three words This anchor is foundational consistent and transforming this anchor is foundational, consistent, and transformational. What do I mean by this? Let me break it down. By foundational, what I mean is there is no other truth. By foundational, we're deciding that this Is the truth. There is no other truth. And let me tell you why this is important and why we have to intentionally decide there is no other truth than God's truth. First is because we are all going to be discipled by something in life. Because we have truths thrown at us every day. You are not lacking in any potential truths being thrown at you. The more you're even in social media, the more truths. You have TikTok truths thrown at you. Instagram truths thrown at you. Facebook truths thrown at you. You have Snapchat truths thrown at you. You have abundance of information that is trying to tell you this is the truth. And if you and I don't intentionally decide that truth is found in God's law command, His scripture, then we will be swayed every day by truths that are gonna be thrown at us. And it doesn't happen in a big move, it happens incrementally. Anytime someone has said, oh, how did I get to this place? It's always happened with incremental drifting because we start to believe little truths along the way that take us away. You have a lot of truths coming at you. The second thing is you've got a world telling you that your truth is as valid as any other truth. This is very dangerous. When we start believing, if I think it, I feel it, it must be valid. This is the root of many people's destruction. Is that we begin to think we are the source of truth. And we wouldn't come out and say that. But we begin to incrementally believe it. And we begin to follow our truth we have to be able to push away truths outside of god's words we have to remind ourselves that we are not the essence of truths there's a a chat do you know that do you know the longest chapter in the bible if i asked you trivia if i do you know what the longest chapter in the bible is psalm 119 I want to ask you to raise your hand, but if you got that, you get your bonus points today, all right? How many verses are in Psalm 119? Do you know? 176. I was going to originally preach that today, but I thought you wanted to go home. You had things to do. But Psalm 119, 1 through 176, is basically this, this anthem to the greatness of Scripture for us. Read it. Read it this week sometime. It's this anthem of, like, Scripture is what we need in our life. And in Psalm 119, 9 through 11, it says, How can a young person stay in the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What I think this author is giving us Is this foundational thought I am going to go into Your word I'm going to live according to what you have to say If I'm not going to go against you I need to have your word As my foundation in my life This is what's going to set the pace What's an anchor look like? It becomes foundational I've I've heard it said this way before too Scripture is like the recipe for life. You don't need to add or take away ingredients. It's everything it's supposed to be. Just follow the recipe and life will work out. It's foundational. The second word is is consistent. Consistent. Here's what I want to say about this. I don't want to say it. We can say we believe the scriptures are foundational for our life But if we don't spend time in scriptures Our words don't match our actions And you can say it's foundational when the reality is it isn't Consistency in scripture will show us what we really think of god's word to us and I believe, many of you you come here because you believe Scripture's foundational for life, but our lack of consistent time spent in the Word really speaks to what we think of God's Word. If there is not consistent digestion of God's Word, we don't actually put it as a place of foundation in our life like we say we do. The second thing is, if we aren't consistent in God's word, then we won't know what God's word tells us, and it can't be an anchor for us. Can I just say something else blunt again? Many people grow up in the church and come every week and have no idea what God's word says. I'm not saying who that is or who that isn't. But I'll say when we get to the tough times in life, when we need to an anchor to grab hold of scripture is not the first thing many of us go to because we don't have it as our anchor in our life because we don't know it. We don't know what we don't know. Can that be a simple thing for us? In order for God's word to be an anchor for us, it can't just be foundational in word. It has to be the consistent thing in our life that we are uh, attaching ourselves to. Something can't be an anchor if it's not consistently being present in our life that we can grab a hold of it. Back to 119. It says, I have rejoiced in your laws as much as in riches. I will study your commandments and reflect on your ways. I will delight in your decrees and not forget your word. Consistency. Nothing is more important. Nothing is more important. How does god's word become an anchor? It's foundational No other truth It's consistent Nothing is more important And the third thing is transformational transformational there's a guy named d.l moody Um, he was from the chicago area many many years ago pastor evangelist Theologian he said the bible was not given for our information But for our transformation. The bible is not given for our information, but for our transformation when I think of transformation, I think never stop maturing Never stop maturing My mentor all the time when we talk scripture he says scott How scripture transforms your life is before you read it you have a predetermined yes to whatever it says before I ever read scripture, my, I've already predetermined I'm going to say yes. God, you want me to believe this? It's a yes. God, you want to change this in my life? It's a yes. God, you want me to do this with my life? It's a yes. It, it comes down to that, that I'm always growing, always maturing, but it starts with I will say yes. We want Scripture to be an anchor in my, our life. It has to be transformational, that it is growing us, it is maturing us, it is developing us. Once again, Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. God, if you're taking me somewhere, you're transforming me in this journey of my life, your word has to be the light that pa- pa- paves the way for me to get there. anchoring it is foundational there's no other truth it is consistent nothing is more important it is transformational I will never stop maturing simply this this year y'all I said I want to be practical God from the very beginning through Moses all the way through Jesus and beyond says I've got something to say to you my truth is here you want to flourish, you want to prosper, you want to live long days, you want to experience the life that I have for you, you want to withstand the storms that are coming, you want to experience what everything I have for you, then you need to not only read and know my word, you need to live out my word. This is the anchor for life. I put a post up this week, um, and I said uh, my wife Amber um, did something that I didn't do last year. She decided in January she was going to read the Bible, go through the Bible in a year. Honestly, I didn't feel the like, conviction or like, the inspiration to go along with her. And Well, this past, the last week of December, she was ending. And I, went, I got super jealous. I was like, oh, you did something incredible this year. I saw her every single day do this in her life. I watched her every single day go through this scripture. And I thought back and I'm like, man, I'm jealous. But also, I'm impressed. Because it takes determination, it takes conviction, it takes focus, it takes all the things to say, I'm going to make this a priority in my life every day. It is not a small feat. I think this is why most of us, we don't do it. We can say I'm a follower of Jesus, but we don't get into the words that he has for us, which is quite interesting, really. If you know the person that loves you the most in life has written something for you to help you in life, you think we would just want to read it all the time, but I know we don't. So I put on the post, for accountability's sake, because I know y'all will get me if I don't, like, people ask me. Like, so I'm like, I'm going to do it this year. I want to see what God has for me. I'm a year behind my wife, whatever, that's not abnormal. Um, I'm going to do it. But because I want to see what God has for me, and I want to be a deeper anchor for my life. And so my challenge is simple for you. As you follow Jesus, is his word enough for you to anchor in life that you would say, I'll spend a little time every day with? It's why we make these books and why I'm titled Anchor. You don't have to use that, though. You can do what I'm doing, going through the Bible through, all through every day through, through the next year. You can find devotional books, and as long as it has scripture in it, it's just not just a good thought. But I want to challenge you this year. Is scripture really your anchor so that you can experience the life that God has for you? Is what Jesus has for us priority enough for us? So so I'll be honest with you. This isn't like a big spiritual like come to the altar kind of a thing. This is a challenge to you. Will you back up your word? If you say Jesus... Is what your life is about will you read the truth he has for you every single day? Will you spend time and just say God I want to hear from you And not only hear from you. I want you to transform me Because this is my anchor for life. So you stand with me today. We're gonna end in worship But this is what I want as we sing this I, I want you to make If you're willing to take on this challenge, I don't want you to tell me. I want you to say to God, like, God, I will engage in your truth for my life. I'm not going to do what the Israelite people did. And know I should, know what it is, have access to it, and not live it out. Will you take a challenge this year and see how God will change your life? God, um... My one hope today was just that we see from the very beginning You had more for us You want relationship with us But God from the very beginning you told your people that you're gonna do it the right way You have to anchor yourself to my words not what this world brings to the table my words And So God as you speak to us if we truly believe that Jesus is the center of our life God, I pray your Holy Spirit would plant a seed right now in your people and say, I will spend time engaging in relationship with you through your word this year. And then, God, may you be, will you allow that to be the thing that anchors us in life? And let's just see what happens with it. Thanks for giving us truth so we know how to live this life. Now, God, help us to be responsible with that truth. In your name we pray. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.